It must be Thursday. Welcome to Learning Unwrapped, the podcast about your most important life skill, learning. I have two guests joining me today, and they're all about ice cream, but not just any ice cream. They've built a company that produces lactose-free ice cream made from real milk and cream products, not alternatives, so that it has the same richness and decadence of premium lactose full ice cream. Now, this is a woman-powered business propelled by the notion that if you work hard enough, surround yourself with the right people, and never give up, great advice for budding entrepreneurs, you can get exactly what you want the way you want it. Though humorously, they add, well, mostly. Please welcome the co-founders of Beckon Ice Cream. Pause for applause. One of the co-founders considers herself the lactose intolerant queen of the company and the other the sympathetic sweet tooth. Please welcome first the lactose intolerant queen and co-founder of Beckon Ice Cream, Katie Flannery. Hi, Nancy. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you, and I'm really excited to hear about your ice cream and, even more importantly, how you two launched this business. So let's get your co-founder added to the conversation, the sympathetic sweet tooth and co-founder of Beckon Ice Cream, Gwen Burlingame. Thanks, Nancy. We're thrilled to be here. Well, it's going to be a good time to talk about something I love, ice cream. Uh, Now, I hate to admit, I've never heard of your ice cream until now. Uh, It turns out my right-hand person and chief strategy officer for IDE Corp., which is my educational consulting company, Tanya Bosco, is the proud Villanova graduate. And she found that you are both also Villanova graduates. And so, you know, she reached out. Here you are. So I haven't already, but I can't wait to try your ice cream because I do not react well to lactose-full ice cream. It keeps me up at night. And I tend to use alternatives. So you are about to both change my life. Katie, through the efforts of you and Gwen, Beckon Ice Cream developed a lactose-free ice cream from actual milk products. As an entrepreneur, how did you stumble upon that solution? For entrepreneurs, sometimes it's just this aha moment where you are in your day-to-day life and then you have this kind of question or thought as to why does this thing that you want not exist? And sometimes the answer seems really simple to you because it's your need. And so for me, what I was missing was a traditional premium ice cream that I was excited to eat, but also that my friends and family were excited to eat too. And the product on the market, the market leader at the time was a very stigmatizing medicinal brand that was economy style ice cream. But truthfully, if you brought it home for yourself or for others, no one's excited to eat. You eat it because you have to. And so I saw through walking through the grocery aisle that I could have my cake and eat it too if I made the ice cream that I was looking for. So it's interesting because you were lactose intolerant or you are lactose intolerant and you're right that it used to be, so here's a product that you can get by with, but you were basically saying, I deserve more than just getting by. I deserve to live with the same ice cream freedom that everyone else has. Exactly. I just didn't understand why that was an acceptable answer, right? So why would I want an alternative? Why would I want for when I want my indulgent moment? Something so simple. Ice cream is just supposed to be fun. We're not saving lives. It's for a joyous moment for yourself to indulge and to indulge with others. And so I really wanted to be able to have this product that other people would be excited about too. And so was born back in. That's awesome. And I noticed in there, you mentioned that you were simply walking through the stores, looking at the shelves. And in fact, we do have milk products that are made from real 
cow's milk that are lactose free. And what is so critical, I think, for entrepreneurs to think about and for everyone to think about is that it is through the connections that we make, you know, see something, think something that we come up with these ideas. I remember Steve Jobs, founder of Apple, had once said, creativity isn't something you're born with. It's just the ability to put together, to connect all the dots. And you connected a critical dot between the milk and the fact that there was no similar ice cream, right? Yeah, I've heard it called being a sunbird entrepreneur or uh, sunbirding ideas where you take an idea that's partly formulated in one area and transcend it over into another area to create something new and to solve a problem. And that's how my brain works. And I think for anybody who's interested in entrepreneurship, oftentimes it just starts with being observant, observant of your environment, of what's around you, observant of what it is that your needs are yourself, what are the needs for others, and just start to... I guess, Tetris it all together and start to problem solve. So I, I totally agree with that sentiment. And that's been how Gwen and I have started this company for sure. I love the term Tetris it all together. <laughs> for those of you yes. who may not know, that was a really cool game. Uh, and I'm just going to let you Google it if you don't know it. Okay, so Gwen, <laughs> it seems that while Katie was bemoaning her fate as a lactose intolerant person who loves ice cream, it was actually the reunion of the two of you that led to the launch of the company. So how did you two decide to start Beckon Ice Cream? Well, it actually happened over a little reunion weekend with all of our friends from college. You know, during college, Katie was kind of going through her food journey, trying to figure out what worked for her, why she was getting sick. And that's kind of how she uncovered that lactose-free dairy worked for her. But this wasn't until... Gosh, I think it was three years after we'd graduated, almost four years after we'd graduated. Um, we were down visiting our friends in Atlanta, and she was talking about this idea she had. And, you know, my background is in marketing and brand and business. And so I've always been interested in entrepreneurship, but never had the idea, which is so important. You guys were just talking about that. It's really important to identify, okay, what's the problem? What's the solution? And kind of how can we fill a gap that we're seeing? And so I was really excited about the concepts that Katie had because I could see that. I was like, okay, there's a problem she's identified. There's a solution. This is unique. So from kind of the business side of things, I could see this filling a market gap. And I love ice cream. So that was a big part of it as well. It sounded exciting and fun. And so the first thing that we did was think about, is there a broader issue here? And so we found out that, you know, one in four Americans are lactose intolerant to some degree. That's a huge market opportunity. And the demographics that have the highest prevalence of lactose intolerance, which are Asian, Hispanic, and African-American, were also the fastest growing in the U.S. So all of those were exciting things that we were learning that kind of led us to decide that this was a big market opportunity. So yeah, we decided to start it as our side hustle. We were at first at a farmer's market in Boston and selling our ice cream there. And we did that for two summers on the weekends while we had full-time jobs. Eventually quit our jobs and made it a full-time thing. But that's kind of what led us there. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. I was impressed in looking at one of the labels with the fact that you use cane sugar and not high fructose corn syrup. So tell our listeners more about your clean ice cream and what it takes to make a 
commitment to healthy eating. Well, as healthy as ice cream can be. <laughs> Katie, yeah. you want to share? Gwen just alluded to my food journey all through college. And that's a lifelong journey, right? There's no one specific diet that's going to fit for every single person on this planet. You really have to be in tune to what works for you and for your body. And I, after college, had the pleasure and privilege to go over to Europe. And this was when this food discovery was really top of mind. And there was a subset of foods that I was really struggling to eat. And when I went over to Europe, I was like, oh, I'll cheat. You know, I don't want to miss out on the baguette. I don't want to miss out on X, Y, or Z. So I had it there and I felt fine. I was like, oh, maybe I'm cured. Maybe a miracle has happened and all of a sudden now I can just eat anything and everything that I want. And so bread was one of the big ones at the time and anything that was a wheat product. I went to the grocery store, bought bread off the shelf, bought pasta off the shelf and started to eat it and realized I didn't feel very good. And in being observant and just thinking about, okay, well, what's the difference here? We have a lot of different laws for how our food is made in the United States, for what's acceptable, for our farming practices and principles. And so what I discovered for me is that the closest I can get to the raw material, so whatever that singular ingredient is, my body does the best. The more there is an addition of stabilizers, additives, and preservatives, the more I personally struggle. So that was my take home. It's not the wheat. It's just all of the things to make it shelf-stable. And so again, with the alternatives that were on the market at the time and still today, they're chock full of gum stabilizers and additives. And a lot of people with GI issues, that kind of just trades one problem for another. So it was really important for Gwen and I to feel like, okay, if we're going to try to make a difference for these customers, for these one in four Americans, their friends, their family, however many people that we can bring joy to in touch with this product, we want to ensure that we are not trading one problem for another. And so keeping that ingredient list to the purest form of ice cream that we could possibly do and make it the best tasting ice cream that we could, which is milk, cream, egg yolks, sugar, lactase, and whatever flavoring we're looking to add in there was really important for us putting our product out into the market and for us being able to put our heads down on the pillow at night. Well, that's a wonderful commitment. And I, I know it annoys me when I sometimes see the less healthy foods targeting audiences. And I feel like that that's not right. It's not fair. It's not, it's not good. So, you know, kudos to you guys for creating a product and saying, we're going to stand behind it and make it very healthy so that um, our indulgers uh, can indulge with a certain amount of clean eating. So, okay, folks, if you're drooling, go to beckonicecream.com to learn more. And that's beckon, B-E-C-K-O-N, like, come here. The ice <laughs> cream is calling me, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, beckon ice cream proudly promotes its woman-powered status. So why is it so important to you to have a woman-powered business? Gwen, you want to answer that? Absolutely. Katie and I started this business together. So it truly was a female founded company. Now, as we were going along on our business journey, we learned more and more about why that was truly important. Now, there's a few reasons. You can actually become a women owned business certified, which we are through WeBank, which is a national organization. And there are certain benefits that you get through that when it comes to your retail partners and, and different programs that are available to women-owned businesses. But the reason that that is, is because historically, it has been 
harder for women-owned businesses to succeed for reasons that, you know, maybe it's unconscious bias towards female founders, or it's more difficult for female founders to raise capital. Only about 3% of venture capital goes to female entrepreneurs. And so, you know, it was important for Katie and I to know that and really try to overcome those barriers and hurdles. And that's still something that really motivates us every day. At this point in our journey, which we still feel like we're very much at the beginning, but compared to where we started, I have come a long way. We have now, you know, raised money and we have a board and kind of have all these components to our business. At this point, Katie and I find it very motivating and it's very important to us to represent female founders and to show other women who want to be entrepreneurs or want to start a business that it's possible and that they can be just as successful as any other entrepreneurs out there. That's great. It's a great commitment. And I know having a woman-owned business myself, I certainly saw the benefits in the education world because schools, which are essentially government agencies, are trying through their affirmative action commitment to ensure that they're working with women and minority business enterprises. I hadn't thought about that in the ice cream world. So that's fascinating. And I love your commitment to helping women because I often think, so I'm 66 years old. I grew up, I was born in the mid fifties, 1950s, which makes me a mid century antique. (laughs) I love the (laughs) fact that just as a funny aside, I was furnishing my new apartment and my daughter was saying, oh, you have to buy mid-century furniture, mid-century furniture. And I'm thinking back to the 1800s going, yeah. Yeah, I like that kind of furniture. And then I picked something out and she goes, yeah, like mid-century furniture. And I'm like, mid-century, this is like the furniture I had with when I was a kid. She's like, <laughs> right, mid-century. I'm like, darn, when did that happen? But anyway, yeah. back in the 50s, women and people of color were not on the landscape for owning businesses, climbing corporate ladders, et cetera. So if you really think about it, we're shifting the landscape. And I think it is so important to have that commitment to help others as well. I was very fortunate to have on my show uh, last year, Deb Holland, who is the now Secretary of the Interior. And one of the things she said was, I'll leave the ladder down for you. And that's a reference to Pueblo life. And I'll leave the ladder down for you to help other women continue to climb because of the success of other women. So I think you guys are going right along in the same avenue. So thanks for that. Let's get in behind the scenes. What was the initial brainstorming like? How did you forge a partnership? Since clearly you both have to agree on decisions along the way and decide who's going to do what. To start us off, Katie, what was it like behind the scenes in those initial brainstorming meetings? So initially, I had been creating the product. I was previously a pediatric ICU nurse. At the time, I was at Georgetown Hospital in DC. Gwen, again, was living in New York. And then in the process of us starting this idea, I moved up to Boston. But 312s is full-time. And so I was using my time off to create this product for myself. So the initial product I did bring to Gwen, and we've iterated on the recipe together to make sure that the ingredients are what we want and how that taste and textural experience really comes through. So we had the product essentially. And then Gwen and I started with the business fundamentals, like Gwen was saying, problem solution, market size, and where Gwen had gone to her undergraduate degree was in in business. We started with a business plan that we worked on together. So we each had different parts to research, 
we had a 40 page beautiful paper that Gwen in her academia had decided, you know, had known that we needed to do. And then it was very long and we quickly found out that we had to shrink it down to be able to actually iterate on it and get feedback from others. But it sounds like you two just get along very well and compliment each other very well and respect one another. I mean, come on, don't you ever have disagreements? Yeah, for sure. Which disagreements, the foundation of any partnership, whether it's for business, for life, friendship, marriage, insert whatever relationship you're trying to have, Gwen and I feel very strongly it has to start from a place of respect. And so if Gwen and I disagree, it's not to be adversarial with each other. People have different points of view. When you're tackling challenging questions, there are multiple sides to every to every question and every answer, right? And so they have to be evaluated. And so it's essential for Gwen and I, even when we disagree, that we're coming to each other not to like, not to win, right? Because we are not winning one over the other. We're winning when we arrive to the best answer together. And that's taken years of practice though. Like that didn't happen overnight. You know, in the beginning, Gwen had a different corporate experience for how she behaved in the work world. I had a different experience for how I behaved in the work world, what was acceptable, what wasn't acceptable, how I behaved in my personal life, how she behaved in her personal life. And it's taken a lot of self-awareness and work together to be able to come to a style of communication that has really benefited us personally as well as professionally. You know, I love that you pointed out that when you win, it's when you have arrived at a solution that you both agree with or a decision that you both agree with. And I do a lot of work, my company does a lot of work in schools designing student-driven classrooms at IDE Corp. And one of the things I talk about a lot is that we really don't want students when they're working in groups voting, like, you know, how are we going to make the decision? Oh, three out of four want to go do this. There, we're doing it. What we really need to do is teach students consensus building skills. And we use a lot of consensus building tools to help students arrive at the point where they can say, you know, do I, do I hate it? Do I love it? Can I live with it? So mm-hmm. that if everybody can arrive at, yeah, I can live with that decision. We're in a good place. So I love that you brought that up. When what do you want to add to the fun and challenges of having a partnership with someone? Katie and I really approached the business in the beginning as if we were entering into a marriage. Now Katie's actually married. I'm engaged to be married. And our partners consider <laughs> themselves like the secondary partner. <laughs> <to> <laughs> <whatever>. <laughs> Very funny. But learned so much through our relationship. And I know Katie mentioned this, but I just want to reiterate that that partnership and that mutual trust in one another has evolved over time. And I've said this before, but our partnership and our relationship is probably one of the things I'm most proud of coming out of our business. We've really worked on how we relate to one another, how we solve problems, And it really does take that type of commitment and time to get there. But it's amazing. It's one of the closest, most productive relationships I've ever had. And I love it so much. That's awesome and really great advice for people who are going into a partnership. Because it's not about who pulls rank, who wins. I mean, you truly operate as equal partners, as equal co-founders. And as you said, respect one another and then get to the right answer. I love that. So for our listeners, Katie, where can they find this fabulous Beckon ice cream? We're on our journey to worldwide domination. So hopefully the answer one day will be everywhere. 
But today you can find us nationwide in Whole Foods Market. You can find us in Sprouts. We also just launched in Kroger and in Walmart on the West Coast, amongst many other fantastic retailers across the country. And if you head to our website, beckonicecream.com, we have a full list of where you can find your favorite flavors. Beckonicecream.com. And let me remind our listeners that a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed the entrepreneurs who launched Who Brew Coffee. I can't help but think these two products would go well together. (laughs) We absolutely agree. We have so many customers that struggle with different gut health issues. And I can only imagine that a number of our consumers would probably benefit from both products. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay, let's unwrap the learning. What would you say are the most important attributes to possess if you are a female entrepreneur looking to launch your business? Katie, you want to start? Sure. As a female entrepreneur, it all really starts, for me at least, with self-awareness. That's the foundation for my learning, whether or not that's a requirement that I need to be more humble, be willing to ask for help from others, be willing to say, I don't know the answer. I need to recognize when I'm not pushing hard enough. So do I have to dig deep into my tenacity or do I have to dig deep into whatever this really hard thing is? And for women in particular, imposter syndrome is the pandemic, right? So am I enough if I raise my hand and ask this question? When we we talk about learning, learning means that you don't know the answer. We have to find the answer. We inherently feel like we are not enough or that we don't belong or we don't deserve whatever it is that we got. That's well documented through all the research around imposter syndrome. So that's really, it's this double-edged sword for needing to recognize and be self-aware if that is speaking too loudly and inhibiting your ability to learn. So I, I mean, learning is one of the greatest privileges that we have. If we were experts, and everything, what would be the point of us being here? So that's just my biggest suggestion is to just be open to learning. And it's okay if you don't know the answer, I think. And just be really, really curious and always willing to ask that question and and dive into whatever it is that's inspiring you. Thanks, Katie. That's really great advice for a podcast that's called Learning Unwrapped. Gwen, what would you say are the most important attributes to possess if you're a female entrepreneur looking to launch your business? I think for any entrepreneur looking to start a business, it's very important to identify what your why is. You know, why do you want to do this with your life and time? Why is it important to you? Starting a business is really hard and there are going to be ups and there are going to be downs. Sometimes there's going to be multiple downs before there's an up. So it's very important to have a why or have some kind of North Star that can kind of get you through those time periods. Katie and I are very lucky to have one another, but we also have to think about, you know, why are we doing this particular thing? Why are we creating Beckon? So I think that's something really important to start off with. And then another thing that Katie and I often get told that we have that is a benefit is tenacity. Sometimes we're, we're like, is that a compliment? I'm not sure. We're very <laughs> persistent, probably to the point of being annoying sometimes. But I think that that truly has gotten us very far is that ability to keep going to really kind of run through walls when needed or, you know, not always take no for an answer that has sometimes served us really well. So I think that, yeah, being tenacious, being persistent and always having a why to go back to are something that I would add to Katie's being a lifelong learner. 
One of the things that actually I think has taken us a while to learn is to not take the adversity personal. So whether or not it's adversity for being female founders or just the challenges of the day of the business or someone doesn't believe in your idea, I don't mean to say you shouldn't be listening to naysayers because sometimes if there's themes, you do have to pay attention. But developing thick skin, everyone's going to have an opinion and that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to take it, but it also, it can't take you down. And so I think it's really important to identify who are the core people whose advice that you're going to listen to the most so that when there is a ton of comments, positive or negatively swirling around, you can just brush it off and move on. That was something that has taken many years of practice to make sure that we don't get weighed down by the opinions and thoughts of others. Yeah. Great advice. I've been running my educational consulting companies since the late 80s. And every now and then when I hit those bumps where it's just very frustrating, I often say, you know what, maybe we're going to scrap this business and open an ice cream shop. (laughs) You guys have proven that it's not all that easy to open an ice cream shop either. (laughs) So I'm going to add to the advice that it sounds like something that you two live every day is that if you're going to open a business, you have to make sure that you have fun. Super important. Beckon Ice Cream, beckonicecream.com, or you can find it in some great stores. And Katie and Gwen, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and ideas and experience behind uh, starting this company and being a couple of great entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs, I might add. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. Well, that's a wrap. I'm glad you could join me. I hope you'll subscribe, like, and share this podcast and help me spread the word about the power of learning. Till next time.